Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Rusty Quill presents...
Nychrist, the Night Christ, stood before us, his braid of eels hissing over his shoulder, eyes that looked out over eons of darkness beaming. A child's body tied to a monster's, a god's soul. He was the sum of darkness, the reverse messiah come to steal away the light of the world. And the only things standing in his way were little old me and Isaiah, the Stroud twins. I was in the habit of playing down the worst sights imaginable. That's what happens when you surf nightmares on the daily. So the chuckle that escaped my lips wasn't all that unusual. Mind you, I wasn't laughing at the sight, just the original job description, what brought us out here in the first place. Go to the city of Marrows and find who was responsible for a few roadside murders. <laughs> Not so bad as far as mission statements go. Then, a few weeks later, here we are, standing at the mouth of another reality, trying to stop it from swallowing the world. Granted, that might be a bit of an overstatement, as the resulting blackout would probably start small enough. Maybe half the country or so, but it was just the start of a much bigger, badder thing to come. Still, Nychrist wasn't taking my mirth in stride. Laughter is, perhaps, the most appropriate response to all of this. Laughter, at its apex, is the sound the mind makes when it has broken over an untenable realization. The hoarse gasping of a brain run dry of explanation, or even imagination. Your kind are so very limited in their extents of wisdom and wonder which makes things so much easier for us, the great company of the night. We've been doing pretty good so far, seems to me. You could ask your lapdogs, Kilroy, Lansmore, even that uh, shadow trapped inside a tin can, Galturo. I mean, you could've, if we hadn't greased them on our way here, to you. I think it more appropriate to say that you've proved exceptional to the task of heeding my call, both of you owing so much of yourselves to me, the Dark. And yes, here you are, standing before me, witnesses to my ascension. I left the monologuing to my brother and Nychrist. I had to take in the room. The place looked to be from the early arithmetic period. The glyphs and writing scrawled across the walls could hold a clue as to how the hell we pull off this magic trick. Defeating a god. It was hard to keep my mind on task. The pull of delusion growing stronger with each moment. Though the current reality was putting up a respectable fight, being far more bizarre than anything my mind could conjure. Yet this was the most horrific moment of my life, when reality marries nightmare, madness becoming the rule rather than the exception. I could feel the signature wheeling of corrupted thoughts, 
the parts of me that had already fallen prey to sickness, all of them calling out to the rest of me to join them. This was the death spiral of sanity, the slope I always slipped down. Everything began to feel light, nothing nailed down or certain. All thoughts and beliefs weigh the same in zero gravity, when lunacy pulls the earth out from under you. More specifically, I began to think, just shy of believing, that I was Charlotte, the woman alleged to be my mother. I wondered if I was dying in childbirth. The children I'd already named, Rosemary and Isaiah, currently killing me as they breached my body one tiny limb at a time. My whole life just a dream before dying. A failing mind's attempt to sew disparate facts into a coherent tapestry of events. I had to shake it off, push through it, unmedicated and on the edge. Isaiah was depending on me. Isaiah and Nyquist were still staring each other down when I snapped back into focus. My brother likely waiting for me to come up with a plan. Though I knew it wouldn't be long before he tried the revolvers. I didn't think it'd be that easy. Wasn't it your own trail of sins that led you to me, Isaiah? All the lives you've imprisoned. All the lives you've taken. All that death for the thrill of the hunt. The suspension of reality. Your life has been so dominated by repetition and routine that you'd do anything to escape it. Even kill for the freedom from banality. You became so good at what you do for the sake of your game that those who employ you sent you to me. And yes, I'm sure that Baltus and William and the Salamander and all the others would likely have vouched for your skills, your aptitude for darkness. Though their silence perhaps speaks louder on the matter than they ever could have. Sorry, but I don't subscribe to all that sinning business. I'm an atheist. That stuff doesn't go down with us. We just throw our hands up and punt. Makes things a lot easier. It is I who should apologize, as I was apparently unclear with my sentiment. Please, allow me to clarify. A sin isn't the measure of one's goodness. It is the expression of one's defiance of the light. The way this clock of a universe would have you behave. Your indulgence in disobedience is what most distinguishes you, strengthens you. And it was that strength that allowed you to come to me, the source of that strength. I can think of a few individuals, abominations, who would likely disagree with your diagnosis. Or are you implying that you're responsible for the wakeless, too? Because if you are, I'm not buying it. There is darkness in dreams, and dreams in darkness. 
We all have our share in the antipathy for light. But it was no nightmare that brought you to me. T'was sin. The sins of your masters, of your makers, and those of your own fashioning. How many minds did you pry open, expose, violate, Rosemary? Where is your strength derived? Was it in the careful administrations of your power? For only the purest rewards of wisdom? Or was it more selfish than that? Perhaps it was to please yourself with the weaknesses of others. To control their inner worlds in ways you could never control your own. And like your brother, you grew your darkness into a force to be reckoned with. Would you buy that diagnosis, Rosemary? Nyquist plied the truth with deadly surgical precision, proving himself the master of his craft. He was right. My life as a dream catcher, my antics as a dream catcher, was just the desire to conjure the control I never had. I couldn't get out of my head long enough to answer him. The Night Christ had us on the ropes before he'd even thrown a punch. No matter. I think we all understand each other. But you should know that a sin is but a single seed, tucked into fertile, fetid soil. And that no two seeds are the same. Accordingly, neither are the gardens they might give rise to. This is most certainly true of the two of you, and most certainly it is true of this place. This place, specifically. I feel a story coming on, so uh, let's just skip to the end, shall we? My brother went for his revolvers, but nothing happened. His face turned red, the veins in his neck bulging. He was trying to move, but he couldn't. Likewise, I could feel the dark close around me like a fist, my arms pinned to my sides. Your power serves you well, Isaiah, but only when it's upon its own plane of origin, which currently it is not. Here, reality is mine. It gave itself to me, called to me, and I answered. The sin planted in this mountain called to me. The stone grew up around it to conceal it, out of shame, no doubt. The sin had to be dug out, its rocky scab torn away, so the sore could breathe and fester anew. With the wound ever widening, it spilled its pain, sharing the sin that wrought it. That sin, that darkness, called to its kindred, though lesser than itself, 
to join in its work of spoiling the world. And they came, serpents of lesser sins. They gathered to tell their tales of wickedness in the hissing sibilance of snakes. That happened here, upon this sin-scorched stone, this very patch, so that the devil could walk the earth beneath the sun, within the flesh. He wasn't lying, though he wasn't being terribly specific either. Not nearly as specific as the literal writing on the wall. While my grasp of the arithmetic language wasn't exactly sterling, I could still make out some semblance of the story scrawled across the chamber. Something about a gold-faced devil. The surrounding pictographs depicted a king in a golden mask, who after the fall of the dragon lines, what occult scholars often refer to as the first darkness, committed some horrible act. I couldn't make out the details, but the images of corpses stacked as tall as nearby drawings of mountains spoke to the severity. The masked king, who was almost certainly a Mithra, the rulers of the Age of Gold, is later depicted as a monster wearing a fire-blackened wooden mask. By the end of the tale, the degenerate king is apparently slayed by a gigantic stag-headed figure. While it wasn't exact, the stag-headed thing was a pretty close match for the Hecan god Cernotha, the most recent incarnation of the older pagan god, Cernunos. Regardless, the final image showed the blackened mask of the cursed king thrown into a hole and covered with stones. That was all I needed to know. The mask was the artifact, the fetish, the focus of the serpent nexus and I had a pretty good idea where it was. In tandem with my discovery, the blackness at the rear of the chamber parted to admit a distant point of flowing darkness. Umbriel, the angel of restless shadows. <sighs> Christ, I never thought she was real. Just a symbol of the Noxite faith, an angel to help make the conversion of Christians a little easier to finagle. <laughs> but, but here she was, beautiful and terrible, holding the crown of hydras in her outstretched hands, ready to coronate the new king of darkness. From behind me, I could hear the monstrous steps, Nycris's awful soul marching out of a hell of bottomless darkness. I looked to my brother and nodded. If he was holding back, now was the time to cut loose, to throw down with the devil. I'd allowed Nycris to think he'd put the kibosh on me and my power, but, like I was hoping, he'd underestimated just how much power I was packing since coming back from the White Woods. Just shy of dropping the field I kept over the golden dagger, I let it seem like I'd been effectively neutered. But when Romy gave me that look, icy fires searing her eyes coldest blue, I knew it was time. 
A shining corona of crackling pale energies erupted from me, bashing the darkness for all it was worth. Romy held out her hand and I knew immediately what she wanted. You gotta get back to those stairs on the other side of the bridge. That's where a major anchor point is located. A secondary nexus holding the worlds together. Break them apart. But even with all my extra juice, I, I can't pry realities apart, Romy. We're gonna have to... You'll be able to do it once I've weakened the Nexus with this. She held up the golden dagger I'd slipped back into her hand and turned to face Nykrist where he recovered from my Sunday punch. I just need a little cover fire before you leave, if you don't mind. I had no idea what she was up to, but I trusted her completely. You got it, sis. One hail of bullets coming right up. We tried our best to fill the moment with levity, but the mounting horrors made our banter seem small and hopeless, just a futile squealing of trapped mice. Still, this mouse was packing guns made from extra-dimensional materials, and I wasn't about to throw in the towel. The shots hit their marks, exploding across the incipient god's chest and face with remarkable sound and fury, yet they weren't punching through him. In fact, they hadn't even wiped that shit-eating grin from that cherubic face of his. Ramping my power, I added some extra zing to the next few rounds. Nykrist's head snapped back like he'd taken a shot from a prize fighter. Mission accomplished. Shit-eating grin eliminated. With the Nightchrist backpedaling, Romy dove into the eel-infested slime pit her strange, writhing cloak wrapped tightly around her. Now! Go! Within the smallest slice of a second, I realized I might never see her again. My own smirk bit the dust, yet I moved like Romy's life depended on it, my power cleaving through the solidifying shadows as I raced back toward those god-awful stairs. I didn't even look back, though I assumed Nykrist wasn't giving chase. Yet a coronation to hang around for, after all. The darkness was trying to close me off, bind and blind me all at once. But my power was in rare form. No sooner did the dark try to pinch me off into some pocket of gloom, my ability would blast the attempt to so much shadow dust. After the last blockade of pitch fell, the spinal bridge stretched out in front of me. Only this time the sea of sludge was far more agitated, thanks to the bleeding and breaching monstrosities that lurched from the black waves, their pale alien heads filled with teeth and tentacles and pincers and extrusions that had no earthly analog. blew portholes through the things, but it didn't do any good. It was like trying to gun down mountains. The most I could hope for was to keep them from crushing me beneath their weight. I just kept firing upward, trying to shield my eyes from the resulting deluge of frothing gore. Turning my gaze to the side as I raced along, I caught sight of a giant head lifting from the oily broth. Its face a bleeding mosaic made from the people of Maros, all of them moaning and wailing through mouths stretched impossibly 
horrifically wide. Come down with us, Isaiah. Come and swim with us in the sea of sin. Forever and ever and... Shut up, will ya? I need to concentrate. As the monster sank back down into the black, I reached the end of the bridge. A giant gateway looming over me. A massive iron crossbeam barring it shut. I holstered the revolvers and laid my hands upon the thing, hoping I could do what needed to be done before I was taken from behind. Blazing my power like never before, I tried to open the gate. I began to feel the limit of whatever boost the big lady had given me. Still, the cold that became me started scrubbing the darkness pale and impotent. The alien pitch pushed back at my power, the freezing nimbus encircling my body. The tug-of-war continued, my teeth clenched and grinding from the contest. In the end, the beam melted away, my energies dissolving what should not have been into so much fleeting mist. The sound of mammoth footsteps thundered, creating a deafening wind of nearly hurricane force. I was back in the world of the giant stairs. The spinal bridge vanished into oblivion. Strangely, I could see, if only barely. I suspected that my increased power was pushing out the darkness, allowing in the smallest trickle of light. But I wasn't sure that was a good thing. I had no desire to see whatever the hell climbed those stairs. Romy was dead on. I could feel the seam between realities, where they interlocked. I took a deep breath and gave it all I had, trying to wedge them apart. My power came out of me like flood water, cold mists leaking from my pores. After practically blowing a blood vessel in the attempt, nothing budged, and the footsteps were getting louder by the second. <sighs> I hoped Romy was having better luck than me. I pushed downward with every bit of strength I could muster, a universe of sidling eels and endless sludge hemming me at every turn. Over the years of dream-catching, I'd found myself in more than enough horrible places, but trying to dive to the bottom of a nigh-bottomless pit of eel-infested slime, looking for an artifact of supreme wickedness, just might have topped the list. And somewhere along the way, corpses of all stripes and from all epochs leered at me where the rippling putrescence fixed their rotting husks. The ancient casualties of the serpent line, a lineage of victims stretching back to the beginning of it all, back to the so-called gold-faced devil. It was his mask, the symbol of whatever atrocity he'd committed, that rooted the convergence of serpent lines. I considered it a fair bet that it wouldn't react well to being stabbed with a golden dagger. At least that's what I was banking on. All serpent lines had some kind of material locus, a material aspect fastening it to the physical world. And if it wasn't the blackened mask, then I was out of guesses. The number of bodies grew with my descent, and I soon found myself swimming through mobs of spoiling corpses. 
some of them dressed for a king's dinner, others clad in pauper's rags, all of them flashing a rictus of yellowed teeth. The nightmares I'd pulled around myself were still providing me ample protection for whatever might have been polluting the liquid I struggled through, but my air was running thin. With the cloak sublimating my immediate reality, I was able to somewhat limit my need for the stuff, but it wasn't a permanent fix. My lungs began to heave beneath the slow trickle of oxygen. My hands stretched out, hoping I might touch the bottom of the pit, the mask. Glancing behind me, I saw the eels, and not the run-of-the-mill ones I'd grown accustomed to. Likely Nykrist's favored pets, they were giant lengths of jetty muscle and curved horn and needled teeth. Massive curves of blazing darkness equipped with bottomless hunger and the tools to feed it. I turned to face them, my Balik out in front of me, slicing through both sludge and corpse as it danced the haunted spaces. Then, a miracle. As I turned upward to confront my pursuers, my feet found solid ground. My eyes exploded with the bluest light as I illuminated as much of my surroundings as possible. And there it was. The mask stuck out from a small pile of stones, sprigs of dead flowers poking through the eye holes. I snapped my Balik like a whip, sparks pinwheeling where it scraped against itself. The eels winced just long enough for me to draw the dagger, and the darkness held me firm again the golden dagger hissing where it contacted the shadows. What do you think you're doing, little nightmare? You'd really prefer the world you've tried so hard and failed to make peace with, the world that judges you a freak. Come to me, child. Let me show you the wonders of the next world, and... I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing, you son of a bitch. I'm pounding the final nail into your goddamned coffin. I slid out of my cloak of nightmares, using it to lubricate my way through the clutching darkness, and I slammed the dagger as far into the mask as Mother Nature would allow. The thing from below, the thing that climbed up from the bulge of endless night, crested into partial view. Nykrist's true shape, the part of him he'd left in the dark. It took every scintilla of my will to keep from going directly out of my goddamn skull. The creature, soul, essence, whatever it was, conformed to no shape of beast or nightmare I could think of. It was all the horrible things that had ever fled the touch of light, every voice in the shadows, every horrible deed hatched in darkness, every fear made real in the dead of night. Somehow, as I teetered in shocked silence, Romy's voice came at me from the darkness. Isaiah! Now! You've got to do it now! Snapping from my stupor, I summoned my strength. I could feel the connection between continuums weaken, a rising momentum trying to push them apart. I lent the full extent of my power to the effort, 
willing it into the widening gulfs between realities. Again, the darkness reared up against my efforts to dispel it, disavow its claim upon conventional reality. All my life I'd struggled to escape the world, and here I was, doing everything in my power to remain within it. I could hear the call of shadows hissing in my ear. Why, Isaiah? Why save what you so despise? Don't you want to escape it all? Don't you want to know the world on your own terms? To live without guilt or girding? To fly the sterilizing light and live a life of boundless wonder here in the dark with us? To be honest, I didn't have a good answer, except that I couldn't do that to my sister. I couldn't care less about the rest of the world, but I wouldn't condemn Romy to the dark, lock her inside of what, to her at least, would amount to nothing more than a nightmare she couldn't wake from. I was stretched to the breaking point, my limits fast approaching. When I detected that slight, cosmic cracking sound of occult moorings giving way to dimensional momentum and the strained application of freezing banality, I knew it was going to happen. With the thunder of a cosmic seal breaking, the deed was done. The naked drift of celestial forces replaced the unholy conjunction. I stood breathless and hunched upon the landing the bottomless flight of stairs abutted, eyeing the steps where they bowed beneath the terrible weight of the titan from below. The thing silently lifted a storm of insane appendages, reaching up to seize the landing, to pull itself across the intervening steps and secure itself from gravity. The desperate tidal wave of extragalactic flesh scrabbled and floundered at the lip of my little outcropping, the monstrosity madly angling for even the slightest grip, its thundering footfalls detonating like bombs where it closed upon its final destination. But it was too late. The conjunction had passed. The stairway tore away from the platform and tumbled into the abyss. The abomination fell, becoming an ever smaller stain of superior darkness against the void. The silence belied the enormity of the moment, just the sigh of wind, remarking upon the passage of a god. Before I could take my next breath, the world vanished and the feeling of being thrown by an impact tossed my stomach. I crashed down onto rough stone, and it took a few moments for me to lift my head to look around. I found Romy nearby, covered in subterranean shadows, struggling in vain against the coils of a hellish eel thing, a demonic version I hadn't even seen before. I was so utterly drained I, I couldn't even call out to her. And then there was Nychrist the son of eels, staring after the terrible angel 
Umbriel. Holding his beloved crown of hydras, she faded into the writhing darkness, gone in seconds. <laughs> so much for the coronation. We'd done it. We'd actually pulled it off, denied the ascension of a god. But now, now it was time to pay the price. A wave of solid gloom struck me like a ton of bricks. My power so depleted it barely stopped the blow from taking my head off. I crumpled like a pile of dirty laundry. You filthy little bugs. <sighs> but what you've done can be undone. Though it may take millennia for it to come to pass. But I will have the pleasure of your screams to keep me company over the intervening years. The former Nightchrist calmly seated himself in the tall throne at the rear of the temple. Carven eels of jade and emerald formed the base of the lofty seat, and his talons hissed over the armrests. He took a deep breath, composing himself. A smile darker than a million funerals slithered across his face, his eyes like wet stars. I will now hear your screams, and I will not have you stop until a year's time has passed, and then only so I might devise a new torture for the following year. The darkness lifted my sister and me into the air, and I could see by the dimness of her eyes that she was in no better shape than me. She offered me the saddest smile. We did it. So much for a couple of schmucks out of New Vic, huh? The darkness started moving into our bodies, sprouting blackest thorns and hooks and teeth. And then came the sickening taste of sugar. now? Why does everyone look so glum? After all, I thought this was supposed to be a coronation. <laughs> Nykrist glanced about the room, searching for the source of the voice, unaware that it came from behind his throne. It was Mr. Sugar. For the first time, I got to see what the guy actually looked like. He was definitely not human. A sardonic, clown-faced monster with candy cane horns. Bloody lollipops stabbed through his exposed pink flesh. Red and white striped candy sunk halfway into the folds of his skin. And a trembling gown made from the sloughing contents of a fruiting gut pile. He was an awful thing to look at. <laughs> I heard the king of the coronation had lost his crown. So, I made him a brand new one. 
Mr. Sugar slammed a golden crown onto Nykrist's head, its pointed crests facing downward. Fire leapt from where the gold made contact with his youthful flesh, and his body convulsed as if by lightning. <laughs> That's the spirit. Get down and dance. <laughs> Everybody now. <laughs> Mr. Sugar was still mid-jig when Nykrist's body went still, the top of his crowned head a mass of blackened, smoking eel braids. The giant demonic eels fled at the sight, sinking into shadows deeper than rabbit holes. The darkness no longer holding us down, Romy and I stood up, wincing from our respective injuries, exchanging puzzled looks. Mr. Sugar ignored us as he circled to the front of the throne, skipping as he went, bending to look at Nykrist and his whited eyes, where lurked a small but fading glimmer of life. I can see by that look in your eyes that you're pretty confused, and I wouldn't want you to die without knowing all of the facts, now would I? <laughs> oh no, you thought you had everything figured out, didn't you, Mr. Smarty Pants? But you missed one very important teensy-weensy detail. <laughs> See those two over there? Why, they aren't twins at all. <laughs> no, not at all. You see, we are triplets. <laughs> The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. And the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.